You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. Yes, it is Judd's Hockey Show, which means it's Judd's all again. It's Declan Goff, and I believe you're going to be joined by our friend A.J. Fredrickson as well, who's going to uh, usually just join me on Thursdays. But Declan and I are calling an audible tonight because uh, we, we were change. at a line change. And congratulations, we, we were at the, um, the Diamond Awards, of which our colleague, the great Patrick Royce, was honored by the Twins. So we were watching the game on my phone, got home, an exciting finish, the Wild wins in OT. And so uh, we figured it was worth making our time to weigh in here and discuss what happened. The Wild for right now, we're recording this at 10.06 p.m., is back in a playoff spot. Uh, the Avalanche are playing the Ducks. I assume the Avalanche are going to win that game eventually here at some point tonight. So that's going to jumble the standings again. But long story short, the three-game winning streak or losing streak is over. Matt Zuccarello scores the GWGOT in a game in which there were four fights. Uh, ESPN Plus, which carried the game, said this is the first game with four fights since the Wild played Nashville last April. So actually, the Wild, just a bunch of goons. Uh, nonetheless... Let's just start with the news of where this game really begins, which is this morning, Ryan Hartman scratched. Tonight, Matt Boldy scores two goals, easily could have had a, a hat trick. And I would say this, Dex, uh, the first period which we watched at the table at the uh, uh, Diamond Awards did not impress <laughs> me, but it certainly seemed like after that, the Wild uh, engaged. Philadelphia came back to tie it late. Philadelphia actually is a bad team, but they've been hot of late. Um, and then Zuccarello makes a great play in OT. So it did look like the Wild was far more energized like they were against Tampa than they had been previously when the losing streak started. Yeah, I think a couple things that stood out for me in this game um, from, again, from you and I uh, having the front row seat to Patrick Royce uh, ripping Rocco Baldelli essentially right to his face, uh, which we can talk about later this week, also on Royce Unchained and on Mackie and Judd on this YouTube channel. Um, I thought this was also a Matt Boldy game. I mean, a Matt Boldy game that he took away oh, yeah. and ends up scoring two goals. And I think our friends at Wild PR tweeted out, he's the youngest player to score 30 and 31 goals in his career since Marion Gabrick did it as a 19-year-old. I mean, think about that, Judd. I mean, I, I was 10, and I know our guy AJ is about to join us too. I was 10 years old, he was basically, when the Wild joined us. And, and AJ was probably about four or five or, five or six. Yeah, um, Both of you shut up. That was a 20-year gap, essentially, since that record's been broken, which which is just something you and I were talking about when Kirill got here, that younger talent's beginning to take things over, and it's really impressive to see. And I thought Boldy was able to come over here and, and really take things over. And then the fact that, yeah, they kind of blow the lead a little bit at the end of the game, but then regardless, they're still able to win on a, an impressive overtime winner from Matt Zuccarello when that top line has been so quiet. So very, very impressive uh, for the Wild to come back and win that game and I was uh I was very very impressed and our guy uh there he is there he is there's our line mate there's AJ Frederick AJ Frederickson what's here. up just like Dean Evison made the call mid game to move Matthew Boldy up to the top line to join Zuccarello and Declan uh and Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov 
I'm now joining uh, the Krill Caprizov and Matthew <laughs> Zuccarello of Score North. So glad to be here, guys. Flatterer will get you nowhere, dude. Um, all right. So you just brought up something, though, that intrigues me a lot about Boldy, okay? And, and Age, I've been saying this for a while now, and I believe it to be completely true, and I think it's proven out the more that we see him play, which is this. There's three guys on this team. There's three forwards on this team who, in my opinion, are high-end talent. Kaprizov's up here, so he's the superstar. I get that, okay? Yep. Zuccarello's a damn good player. But Boldy, when you bury him with Goudreau and Hartman, is just a guy because who is he going to play off of? So you just brought this up, and Dex and I didn't get to see the entire game, so I'd be curious to get your thoughts. What are your thoughts about when Matthew Boldy is given a chance to play with high-end talent because just like on the power play, I think the dude thrives. And I am so tired of seeing him with guys who are, you know, grinders, meat and potatoes players. Give this guy top end talent. And I think you've got a different type of player. Yeah, no, and you're exactly right. You could kind of tell from puck drop tonight that there was like a little bit of a different energy around him. Every time he was on the ice, he was, I mean, not that it's not usually like this, but a different level than his line mates. He had a different type of swagger. And I don't know if it's that he, you know, he, he's on a certain point streak now. Um, but midway through the game, they make that jump and you can almost see the confidence of the affirmation of, yep. Hey, you're top line boldy. Now we're not second tier. This yeah. is you're switching it up a notch. And he was begging. I mean, he, he granted he was on hat trick watch most of the third period, but um, he was almost begging for the puck at times. And, the play was sort of gravitating around him because he was moving and cycling into that open space. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what his game is, is that time and space of he does have the hands, but his body's able to adjust and he can be physical if needed. But when he had that time and space, he was making some magic happen. And, you know, he would, if needed, he would sling it across the ice to find one of those two guys or more than not, he was looking to get that second or third goal and he was firing more than, maybe I expected over the past couple of past couple of games. So it's been a nice little tune up to see Matt, uh, Matthew Boldy elevate after such a long slump of not being able to find the back of the net. Now he's on a little bit of a scorcher here. And I want to see if he can maintain this for a while. And maybe hopefully this isn't like a Kevin Fiala 2.0, where we're going to get a lot of lull. And then all of a sudden, watch out. That's going to beat you up. <laughs> that engine just kickstarts and we are off and rocking. Yeah, and age. I, I think you know what you don't want to see with him is someone that becomes like super high shrieky because we kind of we've seen stretches from Boldy's game where, like tonight, right, dominant over the ice, uh, a guy who is on hat trick watch by the time the first two periods are done with, and then there are stretches from his game previously tonight and previously before his hot streaks where he goes ten games without scoring. Right, like you, you'd like to see consistency baked in there. Like when you see Kirill Kaprizov, you see that all right, this is a superstar player, and not to say that Boldy is on the same level because he certainly isn't. But you want to see some consistency with his game. And I thought tonight too, even in the in the limited action that we were able to see in the first two periods from Judd and I's perspective, that you could tell that he was taking things over. And to Judd's point, can you not pair him with Slappies? Right? Can you give him a chance with? top tier talent like Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. And then can you also maybe at, at from a long-term perspective, find him a line mate, you know, um, mm-hmm. Michael Russo and Joe and Joe Smith kind of wrote about this, right. In the athletic of, Hey, if they're going to be buyers, of the deadline, it's 
maybe to find a complimentary defensive piece if you lost Stumba, but really, I think the long-term goal would be to find an offensive piece to help get Matt Boldy going, to help get the offense going. Because when you look at the five-on-five stats, it's still alarming. Even tonight, it's still kind of alarming. Um, if you can find that complimentary piece to kind of make your offense hum a little bit, then you can be taken a little bit more seriously in the playoffs. The thing and I know you, oh, you've been harping on it for a while here, Dex. I've seen at least on Twitter and through the past couple of JHSs, but the Wild have been struggling five-on-five hockey. They, they've been, but the difference that I saw tonight through the, the entire game and don't get me wrong, the Flyers are not in any way, I think like a playoff contender or a cup contender or anything like that, but they're scrappy. They're, they're a Chuck Fletcher bruising, scrappy kind of, we're going to hurt you type of team. And yes. And John Tortorella type of team. So they had chances tonight, I think the entire 60 minutes and they, um, they had, I believe it was Hillary Knight between the benches. I kind of watched the game at low volume. So I'm, I wasn't exactly sure, but uh, she pointed out that many times during the game chatter on the wild benches, like boys, it's coming. We're right there. We're going to get one. They know that they're getting the chances. They're a little, it seems like shocked that they aren't finding the back of the net more. And I mean, Boldy had a chance that uh, back door, I think it was like a few seconds left on the power playing granted that's you know, five on four, not five on five, but that was wide open. He hits the crossbar, can't get the hat trick. So they know that they're getting those opportunities at times. And I think tonight they elevated that a little bit more and they're right on the doorstep. I I'm anxious to see in the next couple of games here, whether or not they can bust it down and get in the living room or if they're going to head back out to the curb. The thing that intrigues me about this too, uh, that I think has been, a problem with this team and it has nothing to do with the players. And I like what I'm seeing now, but I think that we, we need to see more is for as much as Dean wants to allow the players to like control the room and control, you know, I want them to get going. Um, I am not a huge proponent of juggling lines for the sake of juggling lines with some, which some coaches do constantly drives me crazy, but the amount of time, and this goes back to the playoffs last year against the blues, right? that Dean leaves things together and it's like, I got to trust my guys. They're going to get it right. It's like, no, they're not necessarily going to get things right. So, you know, why not at times put, because coming off of power plays, this has worked really well. Why not put Boldy, who's an outstanding player, with Zuccarello and Caprice up? Like, are you telling me, are you really trying to tell me that Sammy Steele has to be the center? Like, what are you talking about? And Sam Steele has cooled off of, of late. And as much as we want, want to say, what a great find from the Ducks. The Ducks screwed that that up. Guess what? If Sam Steele was an outstanding player, Declan, Sam Steele would have broken out with the Ducks. So what I, what, I mean, I do think it's incumbent upon the coaching staff to also pull strings at times. Um, you know what? Leon Dreisaitl and McDavid at times will play together. And then they won't. But there's no like rule about, well, I got Sammy Steele with 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 uh, dry side. Also, how can I move McDavid there? So I do think that Dean needs to be far more receptive to at times making changes. It feels like he's going down that path, but it shouldn't be this tough. Like you have to pull strings at times. It's a puppet game. Yeah. And I think Sam Steele, you know, is kind of riding along for the ride, if you will. And yeah. he's been complimentary of those two. And. I, I don't want to say that anyone can play between guys like Zuccarello and Kaprizov, but he's held his own and that's all great and gravy. But 
there, there could become a time where when he reaches, you know, reaches the summer and he's an RFA and you want to figure out what you want to do with them. And do the wild have to resign him? Like do the wild have to resign Sam Steele? No, they don't. <laughs> um, and then that's where though, it's, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me Judd, of like, you know, when, when you're adding a pitching rotation and everyone kind of slots in their staff after you get someone on the offense that makes your offense bigger and, and better and compare the apples, the oranges, basically from an offensive side to hockey with pitching rotation. Everyone kind of knows their role. Once you, once you kind of get a above line guy that kind of slots everyone else down, everyone else down. And if that's something that Bill Guerin wants to pursue by the NHL trade deadline, you know, I'm curious. And if, if they don't have to necessarily be buyers, we talked about with Jesse Pierce earlier this week on this YouTube channel, they don't have to be buyers. They can ride this out. They want to enter the postseason with things that are as intact. They certainly can. Um, but I, I think if they really want to maximize themselves and they want to be taken seriously in the postseason, they want to potentially get out of the first round, which is something they haven't done in almost eight years now, then they would have to add to that offense. And it would make everyone's life easier, not just Sam Steele's life, make obviously Matt Boldy's life easier, make Kirill's life easier, make Zuccarello's life easier. It would just make sense for them to be buyers, to find someone to add to their top six that makes them a little deeper and makes them a little more dangerous. I think the question of that age is how far can you potentially go and what do you give up? Like, I think that's where Bill Guerin's dilemma is, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Dex is right. I mean, a top six guy that can score that you could potentially pair with Boldy, because Hartman's not that guy. He got no. scratched tonight. I agree completely with the decision to scratch him. And he'll, he's going to come back and probably play better, but he is not a top six guy. Uh, last year was a fluke. So I think the problem for Garen is, to what Declan is saying, is how far do you push that and potentially mortgage things with a trade when you might get out of the first round? But going much beyond that, to me, does not seem to be in the cards for this current incarnation. Yeah, um, and I think year to year it kind of shuffles in terms of like what a second round pick is valued at versus the following year, the previous year. Um, and I also think there's something that to, uh, to be said with maybe previous deals because last year I wasn't expecting the Wild to acquire Mark Andre Fleury for what they did. I expected the value to be a little higher, so maybe that puts other GMs on the radar of Bill Guerin where it's like okay, if we have a deal here, maybe I do one last consultant with the rest of my front office before we, you know, give it the thumbs up and the green light. Um, If you're looking for somebody in the forward, though, I don't know how much you guys maybe mentioned it. Tyler Bertuzzi is kind of on my radar for a guy that they could look at. I don't know what the valuation of a guy like that is because I know he's banged up a lot. And he's a guy that um, at times – he he's a maybe more offensive Ryan Hartman in the sense where he can score and he does move the puck around very well, but he is kind of like that gritty pesky type of guy. Who's not afraid to go into the corner and really throw his weight around. So um, I know Detroit necessarily isn't um, in the stages of their rebuild where Steve Eiserman is probably looking to make a run in the postseason. So that's one guy I have looked at at least for the wild. And I know it's a lot, you know, it's very early to really start looking at like this guy, this guy, this guy on the trade block. Oh no, it's not. No, no, no. It's you don't think so. recklessly speculate all you want. You're in a say as, as Phil and I say, you're in a safe space. <laughs> Do not hesitate. This is not another media outlet. That's urging you not to speculate. We have no rights here. Right, Score right. North is a fair game. You go. I like the Bertuzzi suggestion. That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Age, you bring up a good point that so Bertuzzi who was before, you know, a couple seasons of 20 plus goal score this year, you know, 
struggling to get healthy and struggling to yeah. find his footing. Um, just one goal in 15 games. Uh, he's an RFA too. I think he's entering his bridge deal. So you would control his rights. You're, you're right that Detroit's not to give him up for peanuts, but his value is probably a lot lower than it was, what, two seasons ago when he yeah. came off a 30-goal campaign. Again, that's, that's, that's where you have to kind of weigh it out. And then also to your point, when your, your Marc-Andre Fleury point of, Garen kind of took that literally like, right, like up to deadline hour. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I thought, oh man, it, it, I would love Marc-Andre Fleury, but it's probably going to cost them multiple first round picks or mm-hmm. it's going to cost some top prospects. And then Garen, you know, kind of orchestrated of, we'll give you a second. If we do this, we'll conditionally give up to a first, blah, blah, blah. Th- that That's where it gets really interesting. And that's where I think it gets really intriguing of a guy like Bill Garen dealing with Steve Eiserman and not Chuck Fletcher dealing with Steve Eiserman or Paul Fenton dealing with Steve Eiserman, <laughs> right? Like I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall of a conversation between Bill Guerin. Like I would, I'm not even exaggerating. I know all, both of you are probably in the same boat as I am. I would pay money to be on deadline day to hear what Steve Eiserman and Bill Guerin are saying to one another to an orchestrated deal. That's, I mean, age, that's, that's a good one. Like it, it's someone that's flies under the radar. It's someone who is still young and potentially controllable because he's not a complete rental situation. Um, that's another good one. I like that one, Judd. I mean, we, you and I have been throwing out Ryan O'Reilly before because we like him, and but he's probably going to even cost more than that because he's a captain. He's a cup winner. Yeah. We could probably recklessly speculate, and we can probably add Bertuzzi to that list as well. Does Brock Besser intrigue either of you guys? What year is it in this scenario? <laughs> It is well. I mean, no. You're just ta- you're ta- you're taking on a guy who I think has had a very difficult last few few years off the ice. The passing of his dad, who had Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's a good kid. Um, he's in Vancouver, so he has been affected because he's a, a a young guy that was tight with his dad who died. Um, I think coming back here would help him. Um, he definitely has talent. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to go through the the Canucks are going to have to dump guys. Like, there's no question. And for Bo Horvat, they're going to get a King's Ransom. Uh, I don't know if Besser fits in with what Rick Tockett wants to do there. But I, I'm just aged to go along with what with what your point is. I'm trying to go through, okay, who could be plugged in as a top six guy? Not going to be an all-star, but is definitely going to give you more skill. Because the problem is right now, you've got, if you're going to play Boldy where Boldy ordinarily is, there's no skill there. Mm-hmm. Goudreau has no skill. He's a hard worker who makes some nice plays. And I actually appreciate him. But I mean, I've seen that we have all seen Goudreau's and they are valuable players, but they're not skill guys. And Ryan Hartman has fallen off the face of the ever loving earth. So like a guy like Besser has a skill. Does that intrigue either of you guys, Brock Besser? It does me. I, it doesn't necessarily like put me into the red on the gauge, but it, it bumps it a little bit because You've seen when he's on his game, what exactly it is. And, you know, not to do the miracle quote, but like, you know, Jim Craig, have you seen him on his game? That's kind of Brock Besser. So change of scenery for a guy like that, especially coming back to Minnesota of all places. I think that does more than if he gets moved to a team out east or something like that, where it's, you know, it's a strange land here. He's close to home. He knows the territory. He knows Minnesota hockey. And I feel like, if you're coming here, you're going to be able to instantly buy into the Bill Guerin, Minnesota wild culture, especially with, you know, Felino. And now, now you have that superstar in Kirill Kaprizov where back when he was drafted, they didn't have a guy like that. And um, <laughs> frankly, I mean, the past few years, uh, initially it was that conversation of like, Oh, the wild, did they, did they whiff on taking 
uh, Eric Sinek instead of, of, a, of a Besser yeah. and they're tied. And now in the past couple of years, it's swung the other way. I feel like mm-hmm. where Eric Sinek is a very solid two-way guy, whereas Besser no longer, he's kind of fallen off um, that prolific scoring that he was putting up initially. So, um, but yes, it does intrigue me a little bit for sure. Yeah, I mean, that AJ, uh, AJ and uh, Judd and I have had the same kind of type conversation because I think initially it was like, what are we doing? Like, Brock Besser turns out to be a 30-goal scorer like his rookie season, and Erickson Eck kind of took slowly to get going, and now all of a sudden the, the tables have turned. You bring up a good point in hockey with culture and comfortability, and clearly, you know, Besser has lacked those those two things, and you kind of wonder if he gets plugged into a place where he is comfortable and all of a sudden those weight that some of that weights off his shoulders does he go back to being you know the 30 goal score that he kind of teased of him being when he was a 19 20 year old i think his value is kind of at a low point so to your to both your points that you know bull Hor- bull Horvat is clearly his teammate is is the ceiling of what you could buy at the trade deadline i don't think the wild are interested in doing that this might be a conversation that makes a lot more sense in the summer, right? Like I, I, I do think you can revisit this conversation in the summer, potentially get him over here. But if you could figure out a way to get him over here now, when again, his values, you know, kind of wishy-washy and Vancouver's in a transitional period, you might have the best opportunity to acquire him now, but also I think the likelihood might be more achievable a few months from now, once the season's over and Vancouver and Minnesota can both kind of, reinvest and, and kind of reassess where they're at. Important question for both of you c- coming up. But before I get to that, I want to talk to you about my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who helped me drop 40 pounds. And here's the most important part, folks. I said weight control. It's not a diet. It's not a quick fix. It's a fix that will help you drop the weight. But because it's a weight control center, most importantly, Livia is going to help you keep that weight off. And by the way, if you contact them now and you say, you know what? I heard about you on Score North. The guy on the left and the guy on the right, is that the same guy? Because I want to be... For those of you watching, I want to be the guy on the right. The Judd offer, you just have to mention Score North and Judd. The Judd offer is going to get you 50% off the program. That's right. So you can change your life and new you for the new year. 855-GO-LIVIA, Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. 50% off. Ladies and gentlemen, you won't find a better deal to get the new you in the new year. Okay. After tonight, I saw two. I saw two of these on on when I was watching on my phone. Age, I heard one on the radio driving home. Someone tweeted there were four of these. What do you do about Matt Dumba? He had some. I saw. In fact, I, sh- I showed one to Dex in the first period. A brutal turnover at the blue line. I guess he lost the puck. I guess there were various permeations of this four times. Um, clearly, scratching him twice didn't help. Uh, Tom Reed said flat out on the broadcast. So this is a home analyst. I don't know what he's looking at. What do you do here? Cause like, this is unplayable. You cannot have a guy turning over a puck in the NHL in 2023, four times. Anybody got an answer for a fix? Quickly before you get into that, they were so bad for the, for the ones I watched. It, it's one of those where you're just sitting there. And the first one, you're like, ah, okay, maybe maybe he stepped wrong, or maybe he just mishandled the puck. I'll, it's like that's unfortunate, but he got bailed out. Mark Andre Fleur, sure. Um, and then the next few, you're like, you're literally up in arms on the couch. What are you doing? What 
what is compelling you to one hold the puck that long to make that turn why are you not like you are a professional hockey player you have an a on your chest for a reason you're supposedly supposed to have one on your chest for a reason move the puck yeah. <laughs> why are you turning it over multiple times you're the last man back i need a little bit of urgency I need a little bit of urgency to just move it up ice. Find somebody else in green and dump it off to them. If you can't hold on to that puck, like it, it's like it was like AP in in a crucial part of a game. Just fumble, fumble, fumble. Doesn't matter. It, it's getting ridiculous at this point. And Judd, we talked about this last week, and I mentioned for years I've been an avid Matthew Dumba defender. This season has made me flip coins because it is bad. Like you said, it's unplayable. It's really, really bad. Yeah, it, it's frustrating because I because I, he means a lot and age. I've I've kind of been wishy washy with him. Um, he's not someone who I've like defended at all all ends of the earth. But at the same time, I think over the last few months, it's just you're you're kind of watching the end here. And you know, I thought on Tuesday he played really well against Tampa Bay, and he kind of thought like, all right, if you can string together some nice games here, you might be able to kind of up that value, which is in the absolute tank, and maybe Bill even sells before the deadline and get something to bite now then he has situations like that and it's just like well what what is what is the end goal like what's the floor of what the wild would accept and even to the contrary point what is the ceiling like what 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 is the floor and ceiling of what they could potentially get from on the deadline they're not just going to give them away and and rightfully so but if if you can't really even get something that's obtainable to to use in the future use or to help make your team better in the short term then there is no point to trade him, but you would hate to, to just to see him walk away for nothing too. It's a really interesting predicament that Garen's in here. And I think eventually he ends up being dealt, but he has to string together more consistent performances. If he's ever going to be traded by the deadline. Problem is it continues to get worse. Like tonight is a low point. You scratch this dude for two games, which surprised me because the one scratch surprised me. The second scratch shocked me. But then, like, what we watched tonight was a turnover machine. Like, you can't play that. I And I don't know what you do. And I think what they were hoping to do by scratching him in back-to-back games, because it certainly raised the awareness around the league about his struggles, was, okay, he's going to come back and play great, right? And motivate him, and then, he, and then you can trade him. Now it's worse than ever. Because he's – I don't know if he got mentally goofed up by being scratched twice or what. But, uh, I mean, Dex is right. It's, a, it's an intriguing predicament, but – his value is zero right now. And the problem I have is this. I don't think I can play him Saturday against Buffalo. Tage Thompson, he's going to be in his jock strip by the time Tage Thompson moves around him. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You can't have that. Like, there are options. There are people that you can play. I mean, I'm not a Goligoski guy now just because of his age, but I'd rather have Goligoski playing tonight than Dumba. And Buffalo's really explosive. Buffalo's good. I'm just... I just think it's created a predicament now that has gone to a place that I didn't ever see it going. I mean, between Tage and Alex Tuck, like my God, like what is like, and Buffalo ran circles around them the last time they played and Gustafson potentially might be able to play better after Flurry kind of bleeped the bet against them the last time they played. Yeah, it could be bad. Like uh, the fact the wild were able to get the two points tonight was huge. And you didn't want to have to have them to go to overtime to get the two. Um, but Dumba at this point, I mean, Judd, do you imagine to yourself that, you know, six months ago when Goligoski out resigned that you'd be saying by February, oh. I'd rather see Alex Goligoski play than Matt Dumba? Because we would oh. both be saying, well, then what the hell happened? What <laughs> catastrophically went so wrong that Judd is calling? Because 
for Alex Kolakoski to be in. He's for my age. Number. I know. <laughs> He's I my know. age. He's like Gordy Howe. It's Gordy Howe trying to play. It's ridiculous. Okay, uh, last two things. First of all, four fights, including the Delorier Reeves heavyweight battle. Your thoughts, AJ, on seeing the hockey of my youth? Because you do not see both of you, but I mean, you do not see a game uh, with four fights. I thought it was an intriguing strategy to uh, to see what felt like a felt like very much a throwback hockey game. Um, they actually mentioned on the broadcast the last time there was four or more fights in a game was last April. Wild took on the Predators, so the Wild, I guess, are it's wild hockey. Um, I think it's generous to say four because that second one I want to say it was with uh, yeah, it wasn't much of a fight. Lawton and Mason Shaw. That was yeah. two seconds. That was, let's drop them, and then, all right, let's just get down to the ice because we both don't know how to skate. Um, That I understand wanting to kickstart something and, like, get the energy, and that probably, I think, suits more the Flyers than it does the Wild. I know you have Reeves now and you have Felino, but, oh, God, I I just don't get why you need that many. Like, one one or maybe two, but it's just we're off the dot. Boom, 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 boom. It, I feel like it's excessive. It just seems so nice. And then maybe I'm a buzzkill here because I'm sure there's somebody out there that was like, this is the best wild game I've seen in years. And, you know, it's probably great for the fans. That was me, age. <laughs> like, yeah, let's mix it up. And, I, and I'm not like against fighting altogether. I think there's a place for it in the game, but that just seemed a little excessive, you know, and after the after you got two guys in the box aside, it's like, all right. I think we've probably established our point enough. If that's not enough to get you going, what do you need to do? Shoot somebody next? Like, let's, let's settle down. No, no gunplay. No, <laughs> no gunplay. Uh-uh. Yeah. I draw yeah. the line there. Fisticuffs are it. Yeah. But yeah it, no, I mean, it, it, it just, I, I just don't understand why you needed four of them. Why? Yeah. At a certain point, it's just redundant. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I'm kind of with age at the end of it. Like it's fine that Revo and, you know, Deloria want to drop the gloves, a little couple right. of big haymakers there. Let, let's see what happens. It's kind of been a boring game at that point. Okay. Go ahead and do it. And then, we know last drop the gloves. I'm going to drop the gloves. It, it's just, then what are we doing here? Like now we're kind of getting away from the game and it's becoming a circus act. And I'm kind of with him. I, I don't really agree with it either. Duhame wants to fight and he doesn't need to. The Felino one's interesting, you guys, because there's, I, to me, there's a sort of a hidden problem here, which is this. Felino definitely feels like you see him trying to still be the guy. And it's like, okay, Marcus, first of all, Ryan Reeves is on your team. But second of all, if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Flino has four goals. And I think he's sort of confused about his job now. And by the way, on the tying goal late in the game by D'Angelo off the Kevin Hayes pass, which was a gorgeous pass, and I guess Torres has moved Hayes to wing because he's a crazy man. But anyway, um, Felino lost the puck. Felino has – Hartman's been a disaster. Felino has not. That being said, after, what, 20-plus goals, Dex? Last year for Marcus Foligno. Yep. I think he's a little bit confused about his role now because he's not scoring a ton. I still think he's a a very serviceable player. But the point is, I think he's trying to still carry this I'm the tough guy role. And where I agree with you guys is it's like, dude, you don't need to be. Ryan Reeves can fight all the fights. You don't need to fight fights. So. Yeah, play play that heavy style and play the Foligno style. And if, you know, you park yourself in front of the net, you'll get rewarded with some goals, which you know, happened last season, but you don't have to overcompensate for anything else. Final thoughts, boys. 
Uh, did you guys already discuss the Travis Konechny into Merrill into Flurry thing? Uh, no, we did not. I saw okay. it, but I did not. Yeah, yep. no, um, that uh, that was kind of bush league, and I that's one thing. But later on in the uh, in the sequence, maybe a few minutes later, Flurry ended up having to you know do a Flurry type of save. He ended up going like head first right in the backside of Jared Spurgeon came up and like grabbing his head, almost yeah, showing I that. And I know on the broadcast they said that was probably from jumping into the Spurgeon. I want to say maybe it was that, and that's a guy who's had concussions in his career. Yeah. Um, I'm fingers crossed that we don't have anything that comes out later tonight or in the morning. That's like, Oh, he's, you know, he's not skating today. And then we start getting a little frantic. So he, he had one in Nashville this season. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause yeah. he, he admitted to it. They tried to say upper body, but he, when, when he came back the next game, he said, I got, I hit my head on the post in Nashville. So yeah, I saw that. And it was o- ominous after the Spurgeon play where he is leaning against the post, holding his head. So yeah, that's, uh, that's not a positive there. I saw that. I thought that's not good, but I think you're right. I think it probably came from the unnecessary connect me into Merrill hit that then got a penalty on the flyers and Torts got mad. It's like, why are you mad, dude? Your guy hit the wild. <laughs> Dex? Yeah. It, you don't, you don't like seeing stuff like that. And the wild kind of can't afford to have, you know, they've had a really good goalie rotation between both flurry and Gustafson. The last thing you need is, um, is an injury like that. I kind of agree age, you know, you don't like to see kind of Bush league stuff happen to your goalie. You know, if some, if injuries are going to happen, they're going to happen. You don't like that. And, yeah, it was really interesting the fact that like they hit the play was stopped. I saw the same thing. He was kind of hunched over on the on the on his own post, and I was like, "Oh God!" Like, does he have a concussion? I thought the same thing, and hopefully that's not the case. Um, but yeah, you don't like to see players do do bad things. All right, boys, thank you much, Dex. Wrap it up for us. Yeah, hit that subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment right here on Score North. This is Judd's Hawk Show. That's AJ Fredrickson, who's uh, helping us out here now more on Judd's Hawk Show. Of course, he's helping us out behind the scenes, doing a lot of stuff on 1500 ESPN. So this is not the first time you've probably seen him or uh, or have heard of him, but he's helping us out on Judd's Hawk Show. That's Judd Zolgad. We will be back uh, later this week as well to talk more hockey. Go find our Judd's Hockey Show podcast on Apple, Spotify. Jesse Pierce is helping us out as well from NHL.com and the Bar Down Beauties podcast. And we'll be back uh, very soon. You know, there's no room for petty bull.